Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about hope and our weekend worship opportunities, visit hopechurchmemphis.com. Today's message comes from Senior Associate Pastor Eli Morris. We're in a series here at Hope that we're calling When Heaven Breaks Through. And these next several weeks, we're going to be talking about miracles. Now, in my mind, any miracle requires an occasion. When God split the Red Sea for the Hebrew people to cross, there was an occasion for that. They were being pursued by Pharaoh's army. When Jesus calmed the Sea of Galilee, there was an occasion for that. He was on a boat with the disciples, and the disciples feared for their lives. So, so I believe there is always a precursor to a miracle. Now, here's how our miracle for today took form. First of all, God called a farmer. God called a farmer. When I, when I was in college, every fall, a group of men from an organization called the Gideons would position themselves around the campus and hand out little green New Testaments. They were the same guys who put Bibles in hotel rooms. The Gideon of Scripture, the guy we're going to talk about today was a farmer. Nothing, nothing overwhelmingly special about his life until we first meet him in the sixth chapter of Judges and the 11th verse. Everything changed that day. Everything. Check it out. The angel of the Lord came down and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Okay, for the record, I had to work hard on that sentence all week long. <laughs> When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said this, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, let me give you a little background on the situation here. The the Hebrew people have got a problem. There's a group of people called the Midianites who are just eating their lunch. And I mean that literally. The Midianites were destroying the crops of the Israelites and stealing their cattle and generally making their life miserable. And so when the the angel of the Lord found Gideon, Gideon this farmer, he was hiding in a wine press, a hole in the ground, threshing just a little bit of wheat so that he could make a loaf of bread for his family. He was like all all the other Hebrew people. He was whipped. That's why what the angel calls Gideon is almost humorous. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon looked like anything but a mighty warrior in that hole. In fact, he probably took a quick look around to see if there was a Midianite in there with him. And here's what the mighty warrior's response was. Because the farmer smarted off a little bit to God. Now check this out real quick. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Now, I don't know about you, but my mama would call that smarting off. Pardon me, God, but if you're with us like you say you are, aren't you doing, why aren't you doing all the cool stuff our grandparents told us about? Seems like now you just left us to fend for ourselves. And these Midianites are wearing us out. But God, 
God lets it slide. And, and, and God shares his plan with the farmer. In Judges 6, 14, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Now, this is all brand new territory for Gideon. He's in a hole threshing out a bit of wheat for a little loaf of bread. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord is not only calling him a warrior, but giving him a show of war that he wants him to engage in. And so naturally, the farmer shared his excuses with God. Judges 5.15, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. He's basically saying, my family is the crummiest family in town. I'm the crummiest somebody in my family. Excuses. Excuses. What's the best excuse you ever heard? Now, I, I taught school for a little while, so I picked up a few. Uh, I asked this one guy, I said, uh, why didn't you do your homework? And he said, somebody broke into my house, stole my history book. <laughs> I said, for real? He said, uh, yeah. I said, what else, did, what else did they get? He said, nothing. <laughs> so they busted in there. They took my book. They busted out. I shook my head and said, now they're sitting around somewhere in their hideout, cleaning their guns and answering the questions in the back of the chapter. <laughs> I had a girl answer me this way. I said, why didn't you do your homework? She said, honestly, I didn't really think you wanted me to. When you assigned us to do that assignment, you didn't come across like you really meant it. Here's how, here's how she closed it. I wasn't really feeling you. <laughs> One more, and it's from the workplace, and I, was, I swear I'm done. I, I know of a guy who'd been written up for making personal calls on the office phone during the workday. He had a bad habit of doing it. And his boss was a friend of mine. And one day my friend glanced over at his phone on his desk, and he noticed that this guy who made all the personal calls was on the phone. You know, the light for his extension was on. And so my friend, the boss, decided to slip over to this guy's office to see if he could catch him on a personal call. By the way, if you're wondering, that's what bosses do. They spend their day staring at a phone waiting for a light to come on so they can come into some poor slob's office and catch him talking to his cousin, okay? Anyway, he slipped over the office. When he stuck his head in, the, the guy wasn't anywhere to be found. So my, my boss friend went back to his own office and looked uh, back at the phone, extension light was still on. So he went back to this guy's office. And when he looked closely, he realized that the receiver on the guy's phone was off the hook, that the receiver cord was running down underneath the desk. <laughs> he walked over, and there this man was, balled up under the desk, talking on the phone. And the man looked up and gave what I would call a Hall of Fame excuse. He looked at his boss in the face and said, thank God you found me. I passed out and I was calling for help. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> making excuses, making excuses. Some of us have taken it to a fine art. If we, can't, if we can't lose weight, we make excuses. If we can't pass algebra, we make excuses. If we can't stop drinking, we make excuses. And, and some of our excuses can be pretty convincing. And sometimes, hear me now, 
Sometimes our excuses are not about things we can't do, but about things that have been done to us. For some of us, the overarching excuse of our lives has been that we are messed up because of something horrible done to us that we need to address. And I don't take that lightly. If we've been abused or hurt or neglected or betrayed, that is serious business. And it leaves serious scars. But at some point in time, I would love to see all of us be able to live lives with no excuses. Lives that are not consistently encumbered by complicated issues. And when we're struggling, we've all got excuses. Gideon and all his people were getting waxed by the Midianites, and so they started talking like people who were getting waxed. And once we start using that kind of language, we start believing it, don't we? Some of us are using the same kind of language. I'm too young to make a difference for God. I'm too old to make a difference for God. I've been too bad for God to use me. I'm too dumb to be able to share my faith. I'm too smart to believe all this God stuff. We need to begin to move away from excuse-based language. And if we can't use excuse-based language, what kind of language should we use? I think we should learn to develop faith-based language. Don't talk excuses. Talk confidence in God. And, and, And notice what God did with Gideon's excuses. I love this. He never addressed them. Never. He never responded to Gideon's excuses. God just kept reminding him that he would be with him. God said he would be with the farmer. Judges 16 says, the Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down the Midianites, leaving none alive. So, What does Gideon do with this information slash career change? God tells him exactly how things will turn out. Uh, And Gideon needed to take God at his word. But Gideon, still paralyzed by his excuses, decides that the best thing to do is put God to the test. He starts asking God to jump through hoops for him so that he can be convinced of God's faithfulness. So in in Judges 6, 17, Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. He takes God through a series of tests to see if God is all that he's cracked up to be. He was scared. He was scared. I get it. I get it. I, I can give you all kinds of excuses why I can't go horseback riding with you this evening. Don't you believe any of them? I'm not too busy. My back is not thrown out. I'm not going to a surprise birthday party for one of my cats. Here's the real reason. I'm scared. I'm scared of big rascals. Horses are too big and strong to be climbing up on. But you know, it's not just horses we might be scared of. Some of us are scared of commitment. Some of us are scared of people really knowing us. Some of us are scared of God. We make excuses out of fear. And sometimes out of that fear, we put God to the test. 
So, so enter the miracle of the day. Judges 6, 36. Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground around it is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand as you have said. And that is exactly what happened. Gideon rose the next day, he squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. All right, Gideon, you got it now, don't you, buddy? You got exactly what you needed. God did this great miracle with the fleece. Now you can get on with trusting him. And that's what Gideon did, right? No, he did not. Then Gideon said to God, I love the way he opens his, his comment. Do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. But this time, make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. Can you believe this guy? I mean, I can. We sometimes treat God the exact same way. We talk crazy to God. Lord, I know that your word tells me I'm not supposed to steal. But could I get a clarification when it comes to cheating on test? Is that the same thing? Or, or, Lord, you have opened every single door to the mission field for me. You have given me the ability to speak fluent Swahili. You have answered my prayers about funding. This morning I was fixing breakfast and an airline ticket to Nairobi was in my cereal box. <laughs> now if you would just give me a sign. <laughs> if you would make a meteor destroy the moon by Thursday, everything's a go for me. Well, do you have to know what, what happened on the backside of the miracle of the fleece? You know what? God proved to be faithful. You, you happen to recall the story in the Bible when 300 faithful men defeated a whole army of 135,000 men. And they, they defeated them with these weapons, torches, clay pots, trumpets. That's Gideon. That's his 300 men. Those are the Midianites who were defeated. God used the miracle of the fleece to assure Gideon that all would be well. Let me give you four quick takeaways. And the first two kind of go together. Here's the first one. Blessings and miracles both bring benefits to our lives. Blessings and miracles both bring benefits to our lives. God is in the business of both blessing and miracles. But they're not the same thing. Here's the second thing. A miracle is where God overcomes everything, even sometimes his natural laws, to make something happen that you can't help, that you can't do. See, God overcame his own natural law with the fleece. That was not a blessing. That was a miracle. This, this may help you understand this point. 
If LeBron James is named MVP this season, it may be a blessing, but it's not a miracle. If I'm named MVP this season, <laughs> you got me? That's a miracle. You see what I'm saying? A miracle is something that is fully God. It's an extraordinary event showing divine intervention in human affairs. Third takeaway. Doubts and fears are not disqualifiers. God works with what he's got. <laughs> We're a room full of what he's got. Listen, miracles are not just for the super holy. Remember, this, this whole miracle thing is God's business. He makes the call on what the miracle looks like and who receives the miracle. You, you think every person that Jesus miraculously healed was a saint? No way. No way. Last takeaway, and, and, and I think probably the most important. God will be with you in the miracle. God will be with you in the miracle. You remember God's assurances to Gideon and the wine press? There were two of them. Here's the first one. Now pay attention. Judges 6.14, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Now in the very next verse, you'll recall Gideon delivers his excuses. I'm from a crummy family. I'm the crummiest one in the family. So here's God's follow-up assurance, second assurance. Judges 6.16, the Lord answered, I will be with you. Did you catch that? God assured Gideon the first time by saying it was God who was sending him. But as Gideon continued in his uncertainty, God said he would be with him. That's a very different thing, isn't it? It's like a law enforcement person being given the authority to apprehend a criminal. And the chief says, when you get to his house, you tell him that I personally sent you. Now there's some weight to that, certainly. But what is your confidence level as that law enforcement officer when the chief says this, saddle up, I'm going with you. Listen, you may never witness a miracle like Gideon. You may, but you may not. But whether you do or not, God has already said to you, saddle up. I'm going with you. Miracle or no miracle. God is with you. I always knew that my dad had some money in his pocket. Now, that didn't always mean he was going to spend it. But it was nice knowing that dad could reach into his pocket and change my day. God is with you, and his pocket is full of miracles. It's full of miracles. Whether he uses one or not, it's nice knowing that he's capable. And more importantly, it's nice knowing he's there. That you do not journey alone. That's our miracle for the day. Let's pray. Father, for your grace, for your power, for your mercy, and for your love, we give you all praise. We thank you for your ability to change the world, 
Father, I know there are friends in this room right this minute who are praying for miracles, praying for, for a miracle for someone who is ill, praying for a miracle in a relationship with a child or with a parent, praying for a, a financial miracle in their lives. And I, I, I understand that. And Father, I would be so bold as to pray that you might act upon those prayers in their favor. But Father, please let us all remember that you are with us no matter what. And Father, that, that may be even a bigger miracle that the God of the universe desires to journey with us in our lives. And for that, we give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Openeisen, musical worship director. If you were encouraged by today's message, hit subscribe wherever you stream your podcast. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship service, visit our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.